Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello and welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. I am your host, Connor Clancy. Don't worry, I'm not here alone. I've brought some friends with me. Uh, returning again this week is the ever-present Vito Doria. Vito, welcome back. It's not been the best weekend for you football-wise, but hopefully you're still in good spirits. No, well, my team disappointed, but uh, there have been some exciting events in Serie A this week, so at least those bits are worth discussing. And... Another friend joining me this week is someone that I've had the pleasure of sharing a bed with. Nicholas Carroll, welcome back. Yes, I, I remember fondly those nights that we shared in uh, Napoli. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. It's been another good week of Serie A. Uh, three points separating the top three and with Roma having a game in hand, it could very well be four teams within three points of each other. So Serie A's looking by far the most competitive league in Europe and lots to talk about as always. Yeah, it really was an exciting weekend and some of the most exciting games were the ones that we didn't really expect to be the best. But one game that, I don't know if it's fair to say disappointed, but it was definitely hyped up beforehand was Napoli Juventus on Friday evening. Juve showed that the old lady is not yet dead and they beat Napoli 1-0. Vito, I've seen this described as a tactical masterclass from Juventus. Is it fair to say that Allegri got one over on Sarri this week? Well, he definitely did. What Allegri did wasn't exactly revolutionary. For me, it was just a classical Italian-style performance, but he did what he needed to do. Juventus defended in numbers, and they got the solitary goal in the first half. Well, for the remainder of the game, they were just denying Napoli space to play the possession-based style. So, yeah, clear three points for 
Juventus and, you know, they understood how Napoli played. They had a plan. They stuck to it and it worked. We're barely two minutes in. We're talking about Napoli Juve and we've already got a comment coming in live just saying Benevento and a lot of celebratory emojis. Don't worry, Chris. We will get there. Trust us. Try and stop Nick from talking about a Southern team. Um, Yeah, so Nick... Should we be looking at this and really dissecting what went wrong for Napoli? Or do we just have to accept that they're going to lose games every once in a while? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, the, this is the, a game between the two preseason title favourites. So I don't think it's a massive surprise that Napoli lost, possibly more of a surprise that they didn't score. Um, but look, to be honest, um, in terms of what went wrong for Napoli, I don't think really much went wrong. I think they were outplayed by Juventus and I think Max Allegri outplayed Maurizio Sarri. It's pretty much as simple as that. I don't think there's anything too concerning on, from Napoli's point of view. They dominated on the ball in terms of possession. Uh, they just weren't as uh, effective in attack and credit to Juve, they was very tight in defence and uh, as Vito said, allowed them very space, uh, very little space in attack. And I guess if there's one disappointment, uh, disappointment from my point of view, it's that maybe Napoli didn't, about Napoli, they don't have any fear now um, against the likes of UA. But for me, I think maybe they still do. And it's normal for teams to fear Juventus because, you know, they're six times consecutive champions. But I think they could have taken on that defence still you know while it was tight crosses you know they I think it was 41 crosses they put in which it's it's not Napoli's strength so while Juve go tight it's it's not they seem to just resort to this crossing and it's the same that we saw Connor when we were in Napoli last season uh when they played Juventus they weren't it wasn't they weren't clicking and they just resorted to these crosses which they don't have the Arkadish Milik target to aim for. So, you know, it would have been good to Juventus line a bit more and not resort to crosses or from shooting out from um, outside the box because, you know, it didn't seem to be effective. And we know Juventus' defence isn't as strong as last season, so I would have liked to see them with a bit more confidence in that final third. Yeah, I, I think the confidence thing that you touched on with your last point there is is key because one thing that really stood out for me is how slowly Napoli were moving the ball around when they got into an attacking position. How often have we seen them just pop, pop, pop passes, one touch, two touch, moving it on? But it seemed every time they actually looked to break down Juve's defence, they were looking for that hole with every single pass rather than just moving it from one to another and letting the hole kind of show itself. And yeah, exactly as you said, they were crossing the ball a ridiculous number of times when they had kind of diverted to their plan B without the person that that plan is revolving around. They were crossing into Dries Mertens, who's coming up against, was it Medi Benatia and Giorgio Chiellini? And Mertens is a, a dwarf in comparison. You know, they're, they're, he's never going to win headers against those guys. I do feel like Napoli just kind of, I don't know if panicked is the right word, but it seemed like in attack anyway, they froze a little bit against you, which, Vito... Nick, did you want to cut in there? No? Okay. Vito, do you think this is kind of worrying for Napoli in that other teams will see that if we just not so much park the bus, but 
set up a couple of banks of defense there, they might not be able to break it down. Hmm. I reckon a lot of teams will take a look at that and they will see that Napoli, especially with such a, a short forward line, um, they can be broken down. And when they're forced to put in those crosses, because they lack someone like uh, Arik Milik, uh, it's going to be problematic for the Neapolitan side. Uh, they do have a great system, Napoli, when they do play the best football, and it is usually a high-tempo style. <clears throat> but in saying that, as good as their system is, sometimes that's where you need a little bit of individual brilliance. Uh, Juventus made Napoli's play look too predictable, and I reckon at times there probably should have been some moments where Insigne could have tried to dribble past a few plays instead of look for the pass, maybe Mertens drop deeper, even go for his own dribble, although he was against some taller opponents. But sometimes when you just try to pass, pass, pass all the time, the opposition's just going to work you out. So that's where, as good as systems can be, you still need the talented individuals to produce that moment of magic, produce that X factor, do something out of nothing. And unfortunately, although Insigne had some good shots, uh, Buffon was able to deal with them very easily. Yeah, I thought Insigne kind of was extremely guilty and very wasteful. I was disappointed with him. I think I tweeted that he reverted to his post-sorry self and that he was just shooting from range when you're not going to beat Gianluigi Buffon with those kind of shots from range. But we have a listener and viewer from Italy, which I think is a, is a big compliment, really. Go listen to some Italian people speak about Italian football. But Nick, he says that the Juventus match was perfect. Did Juve just absolutely smash this one out of the park? Was their system completely flawless? Or was it a combination of Napoli missing their chances? Um, well, that's the thing. I'd, you know, I think what we're saying about Napoli is we would like to see them at least try a little more, but that shouldn't take away from anything from Juventus. As I said, Juventus outplayed Napoli. You know, ifs or buts about that. And they were... You know, they they went in there with the perfect match plan against Napoli, and Napoli weren't able to. Um, well, Sari wasn't able to be flexible with his game plan and try and counter it. So, um, yeah, they were just too good. Like, and all credit to Juve's defense and to their being clinical in attack. They didn't have a lot of time in the attacking third, but um, got the goal, and that was it. We're getting some a lot of love in the comments. Fuck you, stupid boys, mm-hmm. stupid. Thank you. I don't know who that person supports, but we're getting dogs abuse at the moment. It's good to hear. Vito, Mark Hamsik, (laughs) we've seen that he's not been quite able to finish out games a lot of the time this season. Should it be a case that rather than expecting him to play 65, 70 minutes in every game, he should be he should pick and choose what games that he plays in. He's been taken off more game more times than any other player in Serie A this season. I think it's eleven or twelve. So should Sarri just rest him in other games and so he can finish out? Because he did look tired towards the end of this Juventus game, but he was kept on because Napoli were trailing and they needed him on the pitch. Well, Hemsik, I reckon, does need to rest in some games, you know, probably against, with all due respect, so-called small opponents or weaker opponents. And I've been saying it on previous editions of the podcast that 
Piotr Zielinski needs to be integrated in the team a lot more. I do believe he can play in that role, be the playmaker in the midfield, and he can also score his fair share of goals too and spectacular ones as well. So I reckon that depending on the quality of the opposition, Saudi's got to rest Hamsik because I reckon this is probably one of the weakest starts of the seasons I've seen from Hamsik, and that's pretty... You know, ironic considering that Napoli's been leading the title chase. Yeah, there was all the hype around him as well with him chasing Diego Maradona's record this season. And that just seems to be still hanging over his head. He's had a disappointing start to the campaign. But hopefully if he does get some rest, he can't find his best form again. Nick, you mentioned their crossing game not quite working. Um, There was a comment that said that they were forced into that crossing game. But... In the absence of Milik, do they need someone else who can come in and play that role of the tall guy? Should they sign another striker? Uh, it's it's hard to say. It's their their attacking trio it, triad. Let's say it's not it's somewhat unique in that there's not a lot of strikers that could come in there and fit comfortably and play comfortably with those around them. So it is a tough one, and possibly that's. Um, illustrates some of the fragility of Sari's squad or strategy that, you know, take Mertens out and it's a hard kind of role to to replace. So, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't even think of someone who could slot in there so, that easily. Um, and maybe it is a matter of, you know, while Milik, obviously injuries haven't helped, but a matter of trying to play that, that different game a bit more, bringing that more into their game so they get used to that and they can be more effective if they do need to resort to crossing or to another style of play. But, um, sorry, Connor, I just wanted to go back to Hamsik because I might have to strongly disagree with you guys. I'd, um, I'm, I'm not sure whether, um, whether is, it, is it just a, a matter of him not scoring or what the, the thing is, like while he isn't, you know, in terms of goal-scoring form as good, as strong as he was in previous season. I think he's just so important in that midfield that, uh, I mean, you look at Napoli's attack, 47% third. And while we talk about Insigne and we talk about, well, Goulan before he was injured, you know, Hamsik is the one that connects the dots there. He's the one that, to the attack. And, I mean, he's consistently one of the top passers in the midfield. He's consistently over 90% passing rate. I mean, he is so important to that engine. And while he only plays 70 minutes, I think he's doing that. Yes, he can possibly be rested every now and then. I think that would be in everyone's benefit. But I think he's just so important still. And the goal-scoring aspect is just one element that I think is not even his most important part for that team. So... Hamsik, you know, uh, yeah, Nick, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of his. No, that's where the question was coming from. It, because of his importance, is the fact that he's playing 60 minutes every week detrimental to his impact on the team where he doesn't need to play against the weaker teams? Let's be honest. They've got Zielinski, Rog, players who can fill in there. And then he, he won't be as tired when the big games against Juventus and not come around because... He was tired, and it'll be interesting to see if he plays in the Champions League this coming week. Um, but, yeah, no, his importance is indisputable, really, which is where the question originally came from. Hmm, but would uh, your comment in that it's been one of his most disappointing starts to the season, I 
other than the goals, I can't see why that might be. But um, well. It looks lethargic in comparison to other seasons. That's why I made the comment, Nick. Uh, he does have a good passing rate and he does have that presence because of his experience and quality. But in other seasons, I've seen him tend to cover more ground. He looked faster. He dribbled a bit more, whereas I think now... He's just relying on his passing and probably even the top of passes playing. They're probably not as um, imaginative or as visionary as I like. So I reckon, uh, yeah, yeah, I reckon you know, I probably expected a bit more. Vito, you're just cutting off a little bit there, so I might just throw it back to Nick as we move on. Uh, quite appropriate, really, because the new league leaders are Inter and they smashed... I have Cagliari down here, but it was Chievo they smashed 5-0. Nick, Inter are in the title race, and it is time you accept that. Okay, uh, you ready for this, Connor? It's the, well, in Australia, it's the 5th of December. Work away. Mark this down. Quote me. I'm ready to announce that Inter are a race. Connor. They are not in the title race. Hang on. I'm sorry. Right, but... right, right, right. Okay. You can think that they're not going to win the league, but by being top of the table, they literally are in the title race. <sighs> yes, now, but they're not going. They're not going to win, is what I, I guess. They're not. I, I just. I don't like this whole. We seem to forget so easily that into a top at Christmas, what, two seasons ago? And look where they finished that season. And while it's easy to get excited over a 5-0 victory, I'm sure you remember the 7-1 win that we had over Atalanta oh, last season, me. Connor. And then <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that one up. But we all know what happened after that. We just, uh, Inter just nosedived. But the Inter up there, they're doing that absolutely been incredible um inter fans should be very happy and enjoy it while or like i'm you know i'm i'm i guess i'm you know just trying to but the fact is that when you compare them to juventus or even napoli in a lot of ways there's just i don't believe that they deserve to be the same white as juventus in terms of being a title favorite so All right can i just cut off it, and I'm going to have a question. Why don't they deserve that? Because they have outperformed Juventus this season. Because I don't think Juventus are near their best. I barely think they've gotten into second gear. I think it's fair to, like, well, obviously they've lost games, they've dropped, they've dropped points, Juventus, but let's be honest, they're nowhere near can be. They've still got Diego Costa, um, Bernadeschi, Matuidi uh, growing into their team. They're, they've got so much improvement. When I look at Inter, and you could you could even say the same about Napoli, their early season form. There's, I, can you really see them being much better than where they are? So that's in in my eyes, Juventus still deservedly are the title favourites. So not to say that no one else has a chance. I just think that. Juventus still, they're just a better team. Oh, Juventus are always going to be the team to beat until someone else has put together a couple of Serie A titles in a row. But 
Inter are a good side. Luciano Spalletti is a great coach. We spoke mm. about them before the season began and said, title this season, no, but the following season. And is it not at all possible that he could just be a little bit ahead of schedule? He's got the defence organised, and the, I don't know if it's a cliche or what, but the defence wins titles. They don't look like they're going to concede too many goals. And with Mauro Icardi and Ivan Perisic in attack, they're going to score a bucket load. Yeah, I agree. And look, they are well ahead of schedule. I'm agreeing with you. And all I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is, look, the, the title can't even be in their minds. It needs to remain Champions League qualification and that's it. Um, Spalletti is doing an amazing job and I think they can possibly go close to um, the title. I think they can give it a good run in terms of, let's say, a race, if you want to put it that way. But so they're going to run, not... but they're not going to be in the race. Okay. Um, no, I get what you're saying. Yes. I, I get what you're they're saying. Just, they're just going to, like, joggle on the side and, you know, uh, yeah, no, entertain I, a little bit. But I didn't say they were going to win the league. I said they were in the title race, which you eventually agreed with. So I'm taking that and moving <laughs> on. Um, Ivan Perisic scored a hat-trick veto. We often talk about Mario Cardi's importance to Inter, and rightly so. But just how good is Perisic? Uh, this is clearly his best season for Inter so far. And for sure, he's got to be rated among the best wingers in Serie A at the moment. In previous seasons, he showed match-winning qualities in other games, but he lacked the consistency. But this time, he's more consistent. And on the weekend... We saw Perisic that was really dominant from start to finish. So for Perisic to score goals like he does, it takes pressure off Icardi and it also provides Inter with another scoring outlet, which I'm sure Spalletti and the Nerazzurri fans will be very happy with. Yeah, I think that's enough Inter. Um, as they've been described in the comments, the luckiest team in Italy. Not sure I quite agree with that. But... All right, guys, we've waited long enough. We're 20 minutes in. It's time to talk about Benevento 2, Milan 2. And I am pissed off with myself because all week I was saying I'm going to put money on Benevento to draw or win because Gattuso's not going to do the business at Milan. And I was happy. Did you? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I was happy that I didn't put money on it until the 94th, 95th minute. When Brignoli popped up, the Bergamo native popped up and scored a diving header, the goalkeeper with a diving header to equalise against AC Milan to give Benevento their first ever Serie A point. Nick, take it away. Um, yeah, amazing. I don't, I don't really know how to um, go on from that. It was, from Benevento's point of view, it was... It was it was a draw, but it was just so much more than that. It, you could tell that, I mean, there's been so many videos from the crowd um, in Benevento and how you could see how much it meant to them, you know, despite the fact that everyone probably accepts the fact that they will be relegated this season. But, you know, for a team, their first season in Serie A, it took a long time. And while they broke a lot of unfortunate records, it's good to see them score a point, um, and, you know, it can, it can only be good for their confidence going forward. And maybe they can, from that, get some confidence and try and be a bit more competitive. And, you know, not to say that there have been games that they've got very close. They've been, been unlucky in a lot of matches. So uh, let's hope they can get some points here and there. But, you know, enjoy Serie A while it lasts for them anyway. All right. Well, that, that, 
quickly, guys, both of you answer this. Is there any chance that they can stay up? Extremely slim chance, um, but it's only it's still only 15 rounds into the season. So mathematically, it's still possible. And I think the coach, Roberto De Zerbi, he's slowly getting his ideas through. What I was impressed with was the wing play of Marco de Alessandro and Gaetano Letizia. They managed to cross properly, whereas Milan's wide players couldn't do so. And the young young Romanian striker, George Puskas, who's on loan from Inter, he got the first goal. So maybe after being a hero in Serie B and now scoring one of the goals, maybe that side in particular with those 11 personnel, they just need more stability together and, of course, more belief. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Vito, what do you reckon, Nick? Go ahead, Nick. Take it over. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll just echo Vito's thoughts there. I don't think there's really much to add there. Um, I, I can't see them surviving, but you know, I'll be, I'll be supporting them every step of the way. And if they're if they're just a slight chance, I'll um, you know, I'll do what I can from down under to to get them to get another campaign to keep the Southerners up and Serie A. Well. As we've had in the comments and as we've said on the podcast already this season, if they do get relegated, hopefully they can be replaced by another even more Southern team in Barry, which would be it'd be nice to see them back in Serie A. But, you know, I doubt you predicted quite this for Alberto Brignoli, but I think you wrote about him before, did you? Actually, as far back as April 2013, um, when I started writing out writing for Forza Italian Football as the Sampdoria correspondent. Uh, Sampdoria were linked with a few young goalkeepers because the current Manchester United goalkeeper, Sergio Romero, was at Sampdoria. So back then, Brignoli was at Ternana, and he eventually ended up at Sampdoria in one of those deals with Juventus. 
didn't uh, fare too well back in 2016, conceded five goals against the Bianconeri. But, yeah, not in a million years would I have predicted an outcome like this. I mean, this is just something out of the ordinary. And for anyone to predict that Brignoli or any goalkeeper in general to score with a header like that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we love Serie A. So even though it doesn't have the same appeal as the 1980s and 1990s, there are still great moments worth checking out. And something like that was just, you really had to see it to believe it because it was simply unbelievable. The celebrations were the best, but there were players on the pitch. The game was still going on and the whole staff, coaching staff, playing staff, were all on the pitch and they still had a minute to go. And let's be honest, we've seen Benevento throw away positions like this in the last few seconds before. So when that was happening, I was thinking, no, guys, come on. We've seen this. We've seen this. But I'm just thinking, right, Brignoli is from Bergamo, the province of Bergamo. He played for Tamana. I wonder if he's an Atalanta fan. So if he if he is, he enjoyed that goal against Milan all the more. But Benevento for survival, we want them to stay up. They can stay up. We backed Fertone last year when it looked impossible and they did it. But on the other side of this game, Nick, Milan are just comical. Where do we even start with them? Are we even going to bother going through the same things this week? Well, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't want to, you know, be too harsh on um, certain fans, but I guess it's a matter of be careful what you wish for because one game in and it's not great, is it? But Look, and I don't want to be harsh on Gennaro Gattuso because while I think he's the wrong person to take charge, you can't put this result on him. He's been there for less than a week. But what I will say is that, look, I mean, everyone that was calling for Montella to go for the last month or two possibly now need to consider every time that one of these results goes against them, they need to think, well, would Montella have got this job done? And has there been any improvements since Montella went? But this is not to say that Montella was the long-term answer. This is simply asking the question in the short term, was it a step backwards or forwards to change the coach at this point of the season? And in my opinion, it's a step backwards. And the Benevento result is a perfect indication of that because Of course, a new coach comes in, he needs time to install his way of playing and it's going to affect the team negatively. And we saw that. Would Montella's AC Milan have beaten Benevento? In my opinion, yes. Um, But that's uh, we'll never know. That's open to interpretation. Only going to, I guess we just have to wait and see how it pans out for the whole season. Um, You know, I'm probably going to do a video on YouTube about... um, um, AC Milan and the coaching change so look out for that I'll go into a bit more detail but um, yeah I, I, I'm just what can you say um, I, I will give you some good stats but um, Connor just to show an example of how much this kind of change affects a team one area that Milan have been good this season is they don't concede many shots um, only Juventus and Napoli concede less shots per match However, against Benevento, Benevento produced 17 shots on the weekend. Connor, how many, what do you think is the most that uh, AC Milan have conceded this season? The most shots they've conceded in one game? Yes. Before the 17? 
Yes. Uh, six. No, well, 16, but it was against Napoli. So Benevento produced more shots against Milan, well, Gennaro Gattuso's Milan, than any other team did against Montella's Milan. And that's, again, it's not saying anything about Gattuso. He's just been installed, but it shows you how big of an impact this has during a season. And, you know, a lot of people would say that Milan's biggest um, area that they need to fix is actually... Uh, in their attack and when you've got Montella who's you know a well-accomplished former striker compared to Gattuso who's a kind of hard physical ex-midfielder you know it's interesting to replace one with the other and how he's going to fix their issues so you know time will tell but um, AC Milan fans I, I think they might have some more results like this to come. It is a strange one because Gattuso came in and he kind of admitted that he doesn't know how to coach an attack. But the one thing that he could guarantee is that he would get the defence in order. And if you look at his, one of the most remarkable things about his coaching career so far is that last season he was in charge of Pisa, who finished bottom of Serie B. They finished bottom with the second best defensive record in the whole league, only behind Spal, who finished top. So that would suggest he will sort out the defence, but they just look toothless in attack as well. It took... Two, two fair, two crosses. But Frank Cassie and Giacomo Bonaventura did very well with those crosses to find the targets for the goals. But yeah, it doesn't look good for Milan because say what you like about Montella and his failings there, but he is an actual, an actually competent enough coach. Gattuso has proven already that he isn't. He's not good enough. So should, I don't even think he was doing too well with the Primavera side. Anyway, Vito, um, they've had all these changes. Uh, one thing that was said about Montella is that they had regressed from this point last season, but have they even, have they taken two or three steps back from there now by appointing Gattuso? Yeah, I honestly think so because they're only really employing Gattuso more for the sake of employing someone who's already at the club. He's not really someone who can build something for the long term. Montella obviously had his flaws and, I wasn't overly impressed with his methods. I think his style is still more suited to Spanish football than Italian football. But in hindsight, already it looks like it's better that uh, they would have been able to keep Montella until the end of the season. Then if they wanted Ancelotti or Conte, then probably look for someone a bit better. But Gattuso is charismatic. He can motivate the players, but tactically... He's already shown some flaws and, yeah, it's very hard to predict how Gattuso can really improve this team, especially offensively. Yeah, it does very much seem like he was just brought in to shout a lot and scare the players into upping their performance a bit. Uh, that's enough of that. What I thought was the best game in Serie A this weekend anyway was Sampdoria Lazio, which... Even at halftime, it was probably the game of the weekend and there hadn't been a goal scored. Sam went 1-0 up through Juventus and Pata with a very well-worked goal. Lucas Torreira, again, played a brilliant ball to Qualiorella who knocked it down from. But then Sergei Milinkovic-Savic showed up with about 10 minutes to go and just turned things around. But, Vito, it was probably just about a fair result in the end, wasn't 
Uh, I don't know about that. Obviously, as a Sampdoria fan, I feel disappointed with the loss. But I reckon Sampdoria were wasteful with their chances because Zapata probably should have scored more than the one goal he did. Gaston Ramirez probably should have scored one or two himself. And just with the Lazio goals, especially with the winner, I thought Emiliano Viviano, the goalkeeper, could have done a lot better. So it came to a point where the problem wasn't with the coaching. I thought Simone Inzaghi and Marco Giampaolo did what they could as coaches and both of them set up their teams very well. It was just a matter of the individual performances that were the key. And in this instance, it was Sergei Malinkovic-Savic that really made the difference for both teams. I mean, scoring the equaliser and then playing a huge part in the winning goal, it goes to show that he's really a midfielder worth keeping an eye out for. Yeah, we'll stick with Samp with you, Vito, if you don't mind. Uh, Zapata has scored six goals in Serie A now this season, which is a decent return for a striker who kind of was struggling to find someone to take him, really, over the summer. But... Has he found his best form again in Genoa? And can he do something with his career? What What is the bar for him? I really think so. I really believe that now he's a more complete striker than what he looked at Napoli and that's Udinese. I felt that in previous seasons, he looked rather one-dimensional and he was just a target man, but he covers a lot more ground now and... He's a tall player, but he looks a bit more agile than he has in previous seasons. So I reckon that this season will really be his breakthrough year. And with the scoring record he's got now, it's looking good so far, but I think he's got what it takes to sort of build upon that. So to be a 10 to 15 goal striker, maybe a bit more than that, I think he has the capability to do so. Yeah, it does look like he slimmed down a little bit. I'm not sure if that plays into the fact that he's a bit more agile, but one thing that was yep. kind of interesting from the goal was that it was a, a good ball played up from Torreira to a target man, but it was Quagliarella playing the role of target man and then knocking it down for the big man in Zapata. Nick, Lazio, we've praised them a lot for how much of a team they are. And I was just looking at some stats because I knew you were coming on this week. And one thing I noticed is that Chiro Mobile is responsible for, it was 45% of their goals before the weekend. It's dropped down to 43 or 42% now. But is that a concern for them? Because I know they eventually got the win in the end, but it did look like they were going to come up just a little bit short. Have they become a bit too reliant on Mobile to bail them out of these struggles? I think uh, they're no more reliant on Immobile than Inter is on Icardi, who has scored 48% of their goals. So I think if you're confident enough uh, to put Inter up there as title contenders, then I think Lazio are um, fine with Immobile um, scoring their goals. Okay. Right, just shut me down. But I think we have agreed <laughs> that Inter's reliance on Icardi is cause for concern. Uh, despite him being one of, if not the best, number nine in the world. Chiro Mobile isn't that. He's probably not even the best in Italy. So do you not see that it could potentially be a problem for them if he's not scoring? Say he gets injured, what happens then? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a problem for many teams. What if, um, you know, uh, Paolo Dybala gets injured? What if Dries Merton gets injured? Then there's problems. But... Um, you know, with with all due respect to Immobile, what I would say is 
I think he would be more replaceable than the likes of an Akadi or a Mertens. Um, so I don't think it's as much of an issue with Lazio. I think because of that fact that uh, Lazio plays so well as a team that I think possibly Lazio can get someone to fill in that position, maybe not as effectively, but still do a decent job at it. So I don't think it's as much of a concern for Lazio or for Simone and Zaghi, but I'm sure they'll be looking at, um, you know, backup options or, you know, in their youth ranks or something, get some younger blood up there and to replace some of the attack that they lost even last season. All right. Uh, the other side of Rome, Roma beat Spa 3-1. They were helped somewhat by a dismissal in the ninth minute for Spa, which was unfortunate really. But yeah, Zeko ended his drought. I think he had gone seven games without a goal before that. Vito, are you expecting him to hit a purple patch of form now? I wouldn't hold my breath too much, but I reckon there's a good chance. I reckon he was a bit fortunate with the sending off because it was Felipe who got sent off and it was because he had his hand on the uh, Jacko. But I reckon Jacko went down far too easily. So I, I, if I was Felipe, I would feel hardly done by it. But once that sending off occurred, that just changed the momentum of the game and... Roma really turned it into a training session. So I think that made it easier for Dzeko. Yeah, I thought the red card was quite harsh as well. He initially gave a yellow card, but then when he saw it back on Barry, he decided it was a red. But I suppose if he sees it as a foul, it is kind of a red card. He was through on goal, I guess. Uh, moving through things quickly. Now, Carlo Ancelotti was speaking this week. He said he was approached by the FIGC for the Italy job, but that he is not yet ready to step out of club football and that he wants to be involved on a daily basis. Should Italy just pay him way more money like they did with Conte to get him to take the Italy job, even on a two-year term? Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, I mean, at the end of the day, you want someone that's wants to be there, don't you? You want someone that's actually week in, week out is committed to the role. So I think he, Ancelotti, as disappointing as it might be for many uh, of us Azzurri fans, um, I, I don't think that's where he wants to be. So I think it's better to look long-term, someone who can possibly lead the ship for, you know, a, at least maybe one or two World Cup cycles. Um, so, yeah, it might be the uh, might be it for Ancelotti. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> who do you think they should go for? At at the moment, I've I have no uh, short term solutions. Let's say it is a shame because um, I do think Ancelotti is made for that role. He's mm. probably the perfect international coach in the the way that he, he doesn't seem to focus too much on tactics. He's laid back enough. People seem to get on with him everywhere except for at Bayern Munich. And um, yeah, it's it is a shame. But he did say that he would like to do it someday. So. Maybe he gets yeah, another I mean, job for a couple of years and then takes over after the next uh, Euros, World Cup cycle, whatever. One person I would say that would do, I think would do a great job is Luciano Spalletti, but um, that's not also not really a realistic thing at the time. But I think he could, he, I mean, every team he goes to, he seems to just sort out the nonsense yeah, and just yeah. gets on with the results. So I Absolutely. think that's kind of what Italy needs. He's another one of those that international football is very 
if you're good defensively, you've got half a chance, and that is what Spalletti's all about. Vito, you wanted to talk about the Coppa Italia results, I believe. Take it away. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting round of Coppa Italia football. Usually, not many people really take too much interest in it because teams, you know, they put out second-string squads and all that. But there were still some very fascinating results. Udinese scored eight goals against Perugia, and the game ended 8-3, which is pretty remarkable. Maxi Lopez, out of all people, scored four goals, so that was a rather incredible result. And surprisingly, that was not the highest-scoring game in Copitali history. Apparently, Alessandria won 17-2 against Bologna back in 1927, so I found that really staggering. Uh, Torino bet Carpi 2-0, pretty routine ruin. Bellotti scored a goal, but the moment for that of that game was Vanya Milinkovic-Savic hitting the crossbar with a free kick. This is Sergei Milinkovic-Savic's brother, who's a goalkeeper, and he could have uh, done an Alberto Brignoli even a few days before, so that was pretty crazy. Sampdoria with a reserve team, 1-4-1. David Kovnatsky, he could be the next Patrick Schick, scored two goals and created a goal in that game, so... For some perspective, that was something good. And there were a few surprising wins. Cittadella, the Serie B team, bet Spal 2-0 in Ferrara. And the biggest shock was Cagliari losing 2-1 to Serie C side Pordenone. So, yeah, very interesting bunch of results there. And um, next week or in a fortnight's time, we should see more Copitalia fixtures. So, yeah, very yeah, amusing you know- results. I did see that Milinkovic Savage free kick. I didn't realize his name, and I did, obviously didn't realize that he was Sergei's brother. That's crazy because I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that would have been a contender for one of the goals of the season if it went in. It was a goalkeeper taking a free kick. It was astonishing. Yeah, Chilavert like or Hegeta like. Mm, any. Mm. Um, if we're going to look at Serie B briefly, we want to talk about results. Parma, Barry, and Palermo are first, second, and third all on 29 points. Then there are two teams on 27, a load on 26. So Venezia are in eighth at the moment and they can go level on top with a win this weekend against Pro Vercelli, again, which I will be at. Um, but then there's still 15 points, just 15 points separating first from bottom after 17 rounds of fixtures. So that league is ridiculous. Uh, who do we want to come up with? Nick, I don't think we've got your thoughts on this. Who do you want to see coming up from Serie B this season? Bari, Foggia, and uh, let's say Parma, because it'd be good to see them back. But yeah, it's. Um, I think Palermo has had enough time in Serie A for the next five years or so, so I don't <laughs> mind staying, staying down. Yeah, but, um, until they sort yeah, out but- the residency, they can stay in Serie B. Exactly. But um, Bari against Palermo uh, this weekend will be an interesting one, second against third. And just to kind of show how how kind of unpredictable the league is, Bari lost on the weekend against Entella, who were winless in their last pre- in their previous eight matches. So it really is in every match, anyone seems to be able to beat anyone else. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting league. If anyone's not into it, uh, try and tune in. It's good stuff. Yeah, even if you're not following the results, if you just look at the league table like every, I don't know, Monday evening, it's crazy to see how many teams have moved position. 
And like Venezia were, I'm pretty sure, up around the top three recently enough. And now they're down eighth. But again, they are still just three points off top. It's it is crazy. Um guys, any other business before we wrap things up? Uh well just to continue on with the Nese, Massimo Oddo, it's his third game now. He got a three nil win against Crotone. So yeah, so far it's been a good start for the former Pescara coach. Yeah, that was a big win as well because they are right in that relegation fight at the moment. Um, other than Benevento being cut adrift, there is a group of teams there who could go down. So that was already a bit of a six-pointer. Um, I think it puts a bit of a cushion down there at the bottom at the moment. Let me just get the table up. Yeah, they're now five points above the drop zone, whereas they could have stayed just two, you know? So that that is a huge win. Um, still uh, a lot of work to be done but Otto seems to be doing quite a good job in these early rounds Uh, right that'll do us Nick thank you tell everyone where they can follow you on them social media things Um, I'm on Twitter at Nick Z Carroll and I've also got a Facebook page under Nicholas Carroll Um, and also um, if anyone happens to know any good Italian managers out there the Australian football team needs a coach for the World Cup next year, so um, get in touch with the Football Federation Australia because, uh, yeah, we have no coach. Oh, Nick, before we do wrap up, you guys got Denmark in the World Cup draw. How good would that have been if Ireland... I know it doesn't work like that, but if Ireland had beaten yeah. Denmark, we'd, we'd be in the same group. Be great. Yeah, it would have been good, but, you know, we did our part. All right. Sorry, mate. Yeah, that was. You've already had your go a couple of weeks ago. Vito, let everyone know where they can follow you, your writing, and everything. Okay, well, there's my Facebook page at Vito Doria. Otherwise, check me out on Twitter, and I've even got an Instagram too. So it's just that Vito C Doria, one word. So yeah, All right. check my work out. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Colin J Clancy, and look me up on Facebook by searching my name. I don't think there's any doubt about what the outro music is going to be this week, guys. But yeah, on next week's podcast is Nick might be hosting it. He doesn't know that yet, but we will work something out because I'm away. But yeah, until next time, there's nothing left for me to say other than ciao for now. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Sta curva, qua pioggia e cuosione, ogni partita va noi emozione, tu sta bandiera con rosso rogore, e che sto giallo caprile e quell'ora, tu si l'amore ce dai sta passione, e noi cantammo per te. Forza bene vento.
ciudade Ce v-a trovat tot unde abracată Nu-i simă fie să mă sinceră Sună puternică, nu cam este jenă Tu se așperanțe, nu garantă de mană Mai de budim mă lasă Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.